that we remember the, the day that God's grace shone upon us through the birth of our Savior. And so, Lord, as we just take this time to set our hearts before we go on our day, just pray that you will bless our time together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Well, most of you guys know, but that was the Turins that were up here. The whole, that was their family. It was their whole family, actually their whole family had a part. Sam got stuck in the back doing video. But other than that, the rest of the family was all had a part. Anyway, Merry Christmas. We had our, thank you, we had our candlelight service last night and it was a blessing and Again, this is just something, Christmas morning service, that we have been doing since we became a church. Just, as I said in my prayer, just a few things, just a few reminders. We'll get you out of here by, uh, by 10 o'clock, and get, we can go on our days and, and just rejoice in all that God has done. What's the first thing you ask when a baby's born? What's his name? What's in a name? So many of us, well, a lot of us, and there's a lot of people in our lives, will think of a name and it'll bring us right to that person. Terry is forever etched in my mind, and that's my wife. Sean, Jamie, Kelly, and Chelsea, and then there's the magnificent seven of my grandchildren. And as I hear those names, my mind goes directly to who they are. For me, my name, my name, as most of us, it's threefold. It's pastor. It reminds me of the responsibility that I have before God, regardless of the thoughts or opinions of others, that I stand before the Lord and give a, an account of myself. One day, as I stand before the Lord, he, 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 as he has blessed me and given me this gift, that I will rejoice in it, but also give an account of how I used it. It's, it pastor is a title that I hold dear. Mike, and I don't know if I've ever asked my mom who's here today. I'll ask her afterwards. Um, Mike, I don't know why she named me Mike. I think it was her who came up with it. She doesn't even remember. <laughs> but Mike reminds me of the person that I am and who I am supposed to be, even apart from pastor. It's the name that mom and dad gave me, not yet knowing me. It's the name that I will either build into something that is associated with integrity and character or I can make it something that is repulsive to others. You see very few people named Judas, Hitler, or Manson. Again, just the sound of those names just, again, it just kind of rots in our mind. And then there's the name Michael. Michael is what my mother will call me when she's disappointed with me, or Michael Joseph is what my wife will say when I'm an irritant to her. Don't call me Michael or Michael Joseph. That's a family thing. Hey, Cosman and Cheryl and his family are here today. Hey, guys, how are you doing? Merry Christmas. Ursioli, Ursioli reminds me of where I have come from, both mom and dad, and I'm a product. It, it's a heritage, and, and it's something that, again, hold dear, and, and just it's, it's all part of, of who we, we all are, our, our, our names. 
but my name that is above all names is born again believer because Jesus said we must be and came so that we would be. So it is what we celebrate today is the birth of one whose name is above all other names. I saw something that somebody posted on Facebook about keeping Christ in Christmas, and it just hit me. You can't take Christ out of Christmas. Man may try to ignore the fact, but Christmas is all about the Lord Jesus Christ. I saw somebody else who was upset because somebody wrote Xmas, and man has tried to X Jesus out, but really that X, that X is a symbol of Jesus' name in Greek, Christos, it's the Greek letter X, it's what in our alphabet X, it's the Greek letter chai, and so even if you see Xmas, it's still all about Christ. You cannot take Christ out of Christmas. But looking at the name, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, it says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. His physical name was revealed to us at the time that he was physically revealed to us on the day of his birth. We saw it last night in Matthew chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Never did a name denote the nature and the essence of a person more than the Lord's name does. The name Jesus, the name Jesus means Savior. It comes from the Hebrew name Joshua, which means Yahweh is salvation. So where many Jewish boys of that day named Joshua, or in the Greek Jesus, but it's Mary's boy who is called Jesus the Christ. The word Christ, the word Christ means anointed. It's the Greek version of the Hebrew word Messiah. And so we see when we say Jesus Christ, he is Jesus the Messiah. Jesus is his human name. Christ is his official title. But then that angel say he sh- said he shall be Emmanuel. It describes who he is and that he is God with us. So there's Jesus the man, there's Christ the Messiah, and Emmanuel, God with us. But we also have a part in the naming process. And the question is, who have you named Jesus to be in your life? It's when we name him the Lord of our lives that we truly recognize who he is. We truly recognize the value. We recognize his might and his power. We recognize his position. We understand the magnitude of what occurred 2,000 years ago and how it resonates throughout all of history and even in the lives today. It's the reason you're here today is because you've made Jesus Christ your Lord. Why would anybody get up early on their day off to come and sit and listen to somebody speak for an hour and and then to leave? It makes no sense unless we understand the reality of who that child was so long ago. And so it's all about making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. In the Greek, it's Christ. In Hebrew, it's Adonai. Adonai was the name that was substituted for Yahweh because in the Greek, I'm sorry, in the Hebrew mind way of thinking, the, the name that Jesus, um, that God had given to Moses was holy. 
And it was that which should not even be pronounced. And so, again, as I've said before, everywhere in the Bible where you see the word Lord in capital letters, that's the word Yahweh. It has God has revealed himself to mankind. So this name is above all because it means that Jesus is God. But in Hebrew, it even goes further, the word Adonai. It has a personal ending which causes the name of Christ to be my Lord and my God. He is Lord and God. But the thing that we consider and the thing that we have to remember is, is as born-again believers, he is our Lord. He is our God. Thomas, doubting Thomas, came to that understanding. If you recall, he wasn't there the day that the Lord, as he has risen from the dead, first appeared to his disciples. And they told him, hey, the Lord, the Lord has been risen from the dead. He came and he appeared to us. And it's where Thomas got his title, doubting, because he didn't believe them. He couldn't understand how this man who was crucified could suddenly be raised from the dead. And and again, there was just no belief in the heart of Thomas. In John chapter 20, verses 27 through 29, it says, Then he said to Thomas, this is the Lord after he appeared to him, Reach your finger here and look at my hands, and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered, and it doesn't say that Thomas even put his hand in the wounds. He just saw the wounds. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. One of the greatest testimonies that we have in the scriptures. There's that baby and we can so look at that baby and be filled with joy in a new birth. But again, there's that inner connection of Christmas with Easter. The day of the Lord's birth will result in the day of the Lord's death. And it's the day of the Lord's death that, that that baby who grew to be a man took the sins of the world upon him. And our Lord, our Lord dealt with that which we could not deal with. The Lord entered into the situations and circumstances of our lives, of all of humanity. It was a dark day when the Lord was born. Israel was under Roman occupation. They didn't understand how God could reject them and ignore them and how they were subject to this heathen country. But it was in the midst of that hard time and difficult days that a Savior came. They had a misunderstanding of who he was and what his purpose was and that they thought that this Messiah was going to deliver them from Roman occupation, but he delivered them from so much more. And so Thomas, Thomas, when he sees these wounds of love, realizes the magnitude of what Christ had done. My Lord and my God, the two, the two are woven together. And so what comes from this proclamation of naming Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? A couple of things. First thing is salvation. We're told even in the Old Testament book of Joel in chapter 2, verses 31 through 32, it says, Before the coming and great awesome day of the Lord, it shall come to pass that whoever, doesn't matter who you are, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You've heard me say it many times, but in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Second thing, another thing that we receive from confessing Jesus as our Lord is his sovereignty over our lives. As he was the Lord of the day of our salvation, he's the Lord of our daily lives. He ever lives to make intercession. He's given us the promise that he will be with us even to the end of the age, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Once again, always a prayer away. 
He's always there in the morning as we open up his word to speak to us and guide us and prepare us for what's going on in our lives, to meet us in the midst of those difficulties of the situations and circumstances, and how much more so in this world that is just so unbalanced. It seems like every day you turn on the news and something over the top is going on once again. Well, the Lord said that these things would be like this, but nonetheless, he's still there for us. And again, just as Christ was born into uncertain times, Christ is still born into the life of a new believer in these uncertain times as well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. The difficulties do have an effect upon us, but nonetheless we endure in Christ. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're never going to completely understand everything that's going on and why the things that are going on are going on, but we're not in despair. We're not with, without hope. Persecuted, but not forsaken. We'll suffer persecution in this world, but God will never forsake us. Struck down, but not destroyed. We can be knocked down by those who are unbelievers. We can be knocked down by the world, but God will keep us until that day. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body, Christ within us, so that Christ would be revealed through us. It's, as I pointed out last night, we had that candle lighting service. I was up here, we turned the lights off, I lit the first candle, I went over there, Gene's sitting in the same chair, and I, I lit Gene's candle, and uh, um, Kyle was over there, and I let Kyle's candle, and it's kind of a neat from perspective from up here, you get to see it just kind of going all throughout the whole church, and this place that was so dark has been lit up, and it was because at the beginning where the first candle was lit, it spread to others, and it spread to others, and it spread to others. And if you look at it from the perspective of the day of the Lord's birth, as the word went out, it spread all the way through to the doorstep of your life on the day that your life was changed, on the day that you became born again. And far be it from us that we would stop that chain, that we would share the great things that God has done in our lives as well. The third thing that we receive from confessing Jesus as our Lord is our future also. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says, And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Since we have such a great hope stored before us, we're able to have comfort in these confusing times, in these difficult days. And so God, God is not... Never is God things going on out of God's control. Matter of fact, things are not spiring out of control. The more we look at the word, the more we understand things are falling into place. And so what I want to do in closing this year's Christmas teachings is taking just a little bit more time with one last reminder. Instead of counting gifts, I want to remember to count our blessings. Because gifts are given to believers from heaven, but God is, gives it, uh, blessings to us every single day of our lives. Look, look at the gift of salvation that we've had, but blessings and God interacting in our lives every day. And I, I want to look at the blessings that are, are listed here in Ephesians. If you have your Bible with you, you can turn. If not, don't, don't worry about it. But in Ephesians chapter 1, we've got these seven spiritual blessings that are, are listed here. And I want to just just go through them as a reminder. 
that, that you would apply these things to your life and that you would remember the great things that God has done and the magnitude of these blessings and, and how they, they work in your lives today. It, it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. That's past tense. That means if you're a believer today, God has already blessed you with these things. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now again, before I I go into him, we have to be reminded of the magnitude of the importance in which God places here because in verses 4 down through verse 14, we see a picture of the Holy Trinity. And what God is doing is lending weight behind these blessings so that we would understand the importance of them. We'll see blessings that come from the Father. We'll see blessings that come from the Son. And we'll see blessings that come from the Holy Spirit. And so the first are those which come from the Father, verses 4 through 6. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. And so that first blessing that I want you to revisit and never forget is God chose you. God chose you and he chose you to have his message preached. He opened your heart to that message. And it's just an amazing concept to think that as God chose me, what that means is, is that God has thought of me and God considered my plight and understood who I am. And it was with a heart of love that he looked down upon me and he interacted within my life to be considered to be chosen by God is definitely not an arrogant mindset, but it's a humble one. It's a humble one because he chose us in and of himself, and it's not because of anything in us, but it was according to his divine will. But not only did he chose us, choose us, verse 4, but in verse 5, having predestined us to adopted us. He adopted us. So he, he chose us, but then he adopted And what that means is he interacted and brought us into his family. We're told in Galatians chapter 4 that Jesus is the natural son of the Father, obviously. He's got the attributes of the Father. He's God. But we are those who've been brought into the family. We have been adopted into the family. So there was the choosing, but there was also the acting. And the acting was God bringing us into the family. Again, because regardless of our shortcomings, regardless of who we are, but it was through the divine power of God that he did those things. And again, we consider these things, and it's just an amazing thing. You are now part of the family of God. Your father is Lord God Almighty of the universe, the one who created all that we see. And as I have God as my Abba, if... God is for me, then nobody can be against me. Now, it goes on to tell us why he did these things. Why, why did God choose you? I mean, I don't know. There's people here that I don't know if I would have chose. <laughs> and I'm definitely not adopting you into my family. But I'm a blessed to be adopted into yours. Why did God do these things? Why did he choose you? Why did he adopt you? It says in the last part of verse 5, the good pleasure of his will. It was just God's will, and it was God's pleasure. And so what you need to see is the value, your value in the sight of God. 
And, and the day that he chose you, it brought pleasure. The day that God chose you, it brought pleasure into his life. And I can imagine any addition. We never adopted a child, but I can imagine adopting a child and the pleasure and the joy that that must bring into a family and definitely a birth of a child. And so again, he, he chose and he adopted and it was pleasurable to him to do so. But it was also, verse 6, to the praise of his glory, that people would look upon us and, and glorify God. And, for, and we would be the first ones to consider these things and give God the glory. And so these blessings that come from the Father, these blessings that come from the Father are, are that which has brought us into God's kingdom or, or into God's family. Adoption is the follow-through of God's choice. Next, We have the blessings that come from the Son, verse 7 through 12. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. The next blessing that we have, as I said, these next three are going to be the ones from the Son, to remember these things, that you were redeemed. We were redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus, when he saw Nicodemus, he told him, you must be born again. Remember, we've looked at Nicodemus many times. Exceptionally educated. He was pretty powerful. He he was a man who was looked at with great respect, really religious. But Jesus said, you must be born again. There must be a change that comes upon your life through belief in the Lord and who he is. But when that happens, you are then redeemed. He who is headed for destruction now has been brought into the family of God. To be redeemed is to be freed from sin's power so that it no longer rules over us. It's that which, well, we were dead in our sins and trespasses, but God made us alive. He made us alive according to his mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Again, even when we were contrary to him, he died for us. Secondly, the second blessing is, is in verse 7, we're forgiven. And again, that word forgiven, that word forgiven has the connotation of God completely wiping the slate clean. As he forgave me, that was a supernatural power behind this forgiveness. He forgave all of my sins of the past, the sins of my present, and the sins of my future. I was no longer looked upon as somebody who was a sinner. I was now justified. I was looked upon just as if I have never sinned. Because again, God's total forgiveness, he would see me as somebody who had never sinned. And again, I use the example of my grandchildren. They've sinned. They've sinned a whole lot. But we're going to be going and getting together, and I just look at them in joy. I look at them as those who have never sinned. I don't keep a list. I don't remember of something that the two-year-old did three weeks ago. It makes no sense. But as God has brought us into the family, he looks at us the very same way. And again, remember the magnitude, just as a reminder of the forgiveness of God's sin. The day that you pass from this earth and are standing in his presence, he looks down upon you. And if he chooses to remember one sin, you don't get in. 
The idea is, is that nobody who is a sinner enters into the kingdom of heaven. But God has supernaturally forgiven us. He has made the determination that he has cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. He looks at us as he looks upon his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ. As I've pointed out so many times, for me to forgive can be a difficult thing at times, all, all of us. And usually we have to forgive with the hindrance of remembering. Oh, there's Sean. Sean, he, he really stabbed me in the back that time. And he actually has done it quite a few times, but I've chosen to, <laughs> I've chosen to forgive him every time. So I guess I've got to forgive him and be nice to him. Um, you know, we, we just have these obstacles, but God supernaturally chooses to remember no more. And it's because of that we can have a confidence in this life. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, but to be present with the Lord is a good thing. That's why we're told in in Hebrews that we're able to boldly enter into the throne room of God. Why would somebody not be able to boldly enter into the presence of God? Well, in the Old Testament days, if you entered into the presence of the king and you weren't asked in, your life could be required of you. And that's the illustration that is being used. But now, because we have complete forgiveness, because God looks upon us as one of his children, we can boldly enter into his presence. And what a blessing that is, as we have access now through prayer and his word, but later on we will be able to physically entering in, knowing that as far as my sins, that which would keep me from coming before God or cause me to come before God for judgment, now I'm able to come before God through fellowship. The blessings that come through the Son is redemption, forgiveness of sins, and also the, revela- the revealed knowledge of God. All history has one goal. That one goal and one purpose, it was designed by God for man to come to relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Every event that has ever occurred from the creation of Adam to the creation of the last baby born today and everything in between is for God's purpose of gathering mankind together for eternity. And that is the revealed knowledge of God is the salvation of souls through the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything, all knowledge, all events, all happen to work together for that reason. It's for the reason of the salvation of souls. So when you look at the news or whatever, what in the world is going on? How in the world did that person get elected? Whatever it might be, I don't understand either. But God is using those things for his reasons, for his purposes. A very familiar verse, but don't let it get past you. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Look at the details, and we know. And so this is something that we're able to have a surety of. What is it that we know? We know that all things work together for good. What's the all things? The all things is everything. It's all occurrences that go on in the lives of men and women. And we know that all things work together for good. And that's good that's defined in the sight of God. For good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And so all these things are working together for the good because they're going to achieve God's purpose. 
well, what about the deaths of children and this and these disasters? And we just had a tsunami and 200 people died unexpectedly. They didn't even know it was coming. And how does all of that work? I don't know. But what I do know is all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We have the (laughs) revealed knowledge of God. And so God has blessed us with these blessings. He's chosen us. He's adopted us, redeemed us, forgiven us, and revealed his knowledge or revealed his will to us as well. But it doesn't just end there because now we have the blessings of the Holy Spirit. In verses 13 through 14, it says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. We are sealed, is the next one. We are sealed. We are sealed of God as being his, and the sealing was by the Holy Spirit. I'm sealed as the offspring of my mother and father. I have my grandfather on my mother's side hairline, which is nothing. <laughs> I have the unibrow, which came, to my fa- came from my father. When I get together with my brothers, we played golf a month ago or so together, and you know, it's just something about being together because we're all of that, that same family. Well, we are sealed as born-again believers as well, and just the blessing that that is. What does it mean to be sealed? Well, there's a threefold purpose in which a seal was used. A seal is used to confirm an object or document as being true or genuine. If you look at a dollar bill, if you still have any left in this Christmas season, you'll see it carries the seal of the Department of Treasury. That little green seal tells us that that piece of paper has value and it has worth. As God has sealed us with the Holy Spirit, as we're convicted of our sins, as we're convicted when we act contrary to the word of God, when we have joy, the things that bring God joy, all these evidences of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, giftings of the Holy Spirit, it just tells you that God has sealed us as being genuine, as we're genuine born-again believers. Secondly, a seal is used to mark something as a person's property. Most of you have signed the inside of your Bible, and you have done so so that when you leave it here after church, I know whose it is. That's the first thing I'll do is I'll open the front of the Bible and say, okay, whose is it? So I can tell them that their Bible is here. Well, God has sealed you. He has marked you as being his. This one is mine, and he's given the Holy Spirit for that purpose. So once again, that we would know, but that others would know as well. Thirdly, a seal is used to make something fast or secure. God made us secure through the sealing of the Holy Spirit. And then lastly, we have a guaranteed inheritance. Verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. That's the surety that you have, that one day you will be absent from the body, but you will be present with the Lord. And it's these things as we go through the difficult days and that it just strengthens the hope that we have within our souls. So be people 
in the midst of all that goes on today, and, you know, I'm looking forward to go. We're going to Yucca Valley to my daughters and just having that great time with grandchildren and kids and my mother and my wife and, and then the family as a whole. And that's okay. And it's okay to give gifts. And it's okay to enjoy these things. We've got Christmas trees all over our stage and here and, and these decorations and all of those things that just remind us of Christmas. And, and enjoy the season and all of that. Yeah, Christ wasn't born this time of the year. It doesn't matter. This is when we celebrate it. And that's what it's all about. And enjoy yourselves. Enjoy your family. Enjoy the giftings that, whether you're believers or unbelievers, just enjoy the gifting that God has given you. But never forget the blessings as well. That God looked down upon your plight and he chose you. Matter of fact, he brought you into his family. He redeemed you as you were headed for destruction, but now you're headed for glory. He's given you forgiveness of sins, choosing to remember no more. He's made known to you the goodness of his will. He has sealed you with the Holy Spirit and given you a guarantee of the inheritance that you have for all of eternity. In Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in this city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be assigned to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a great multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards man. The peace that we have isn't the peace that we have amongst one another because that's so fleeting. But this is a peace that we are able to have because of those blessings, because of the gifting of Christ the Savior, that we have peace with God and we have the peace of God but also goodwill towards men. It's, again, it's not goodwill that we have towards one another. This is the goodwill, God's will, and how good it is towards you and your life. God has reasons, plans, and purposes for us all. And it's a blessing to be able to gather together here. As we disperse out of here, pray that we would bring the memory of the goodness of God and all that he has done and continues to do. Pray that we bring that with us. Father, once again, we just thank you, God, for this grand and glorious day. We just pray, Father, that you would bless us as we go. And I pray in turn that we would be a blessing for others. Lord, I pray for those who are going into unsaved households, that you would fill them with your spirit and give them wisdom. I pray, Father, that you would watch over those who will be traveling today and bring them to their destination and back safely. And I just pray, Father, that we would simply be a people who glorify you in all that we do. And so, Lord, we just thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the feeling of family and just being able to gather here together and just pray as you have blessed us that we would be continually appreciative, recognizing these blessings, giving glory to the giver. May we forever understand the magnitude of the gift that was given to mankind on the day that our Savior was born, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We all stand, please? We're going to pretty much continue our usual schedule after today. Tomorrow morning, I'll be 
giving a study to the men. We gather together here at 6.30 on Wednesday mornings, and we have breakfast together, and we're in the book of 1 Corinthians. Just this Thursday, we'll be continuing on in the Gospel of Mark. And then Sunday morning, um, I'm going to be doing a prophecy update, just an update on the things that are going on in the world and how they compare with the things of the Bible, not making any bold predictions, but just speaking of these things and how they line up. Basically, what in the world is going on? We'll kind of look at these things and see how these things are working together for the good. And then we'll be having our typical Sunday night service. So, Merry Christmas, y'all. God bless you. God bless and have a Merry Christmas, everyone.